LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins. And today I'm here with just a guest, but not just any guest. Uh, this would be uh, Louis Giglio, who I, I got to say, I think you've been on the podcast twice before, once with Barnabas Piper, once with Eric Geiger. And I'm, I can I just say I'm excited to have a conversation with you where I don't have to share the space with anybody else. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm excited too. And uh, congratulations on like being the captain of the ship. Got all the co-captains off and uh, I'm happy for you. Well, I run through them, man. We've had, uh, I've had three now in the life of the podcast. So uh, it is what it is. I, I will say this. So, um, your last book, I believe, uh, was one of my favorites, and I'm barely through the first part of Not Forsaken, which is your newest book. Goliath Must Fall was, man, it was so good. And as I am thumbing through, I thumb through this one, to be honest, we get books all the time. Uh, and man, just the message behind Not Forsaken is, I think, one that that we all need to hear. Like I had a great dad. I had a great uh, father who was a bivocational pastor who, who loved me and, you know, told me that every day and, and all that. Um, but still, you know, there's elements there of, of, especially as a bivocational pastor son who, you know, competed often with the church for time, attention, affection, Man, this this book. I don't care whether you think you have the perfect dad or not, or you, you 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 know kind of really missed out on that, or didn't even have a dad, or just had to live vicariously through some father figures. All of us, I think, this is a great book um, for us. So, could you talk a little bit more about uh, Not Forsaken and why you wrote the book? Yeah, well, thanks for all that, and I'm glad that uh, you're getting a chance to wade into it. Um, I this is a message I've been carrying for probably somewhere close to 30 years. It's a life message for me, all sort of born out of this A.W. Tozer quote that really shaped my life and I think is a life shaper for all of us. Tozer said that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And the reason why he went on to say that we all tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. And so it's important that we get the image of God right, that we are moving toward the right concept of God. And that concept, I believe, is a perfect father. And God is almighty. He's sovereign. He's holy. He's infinite. He's a judge and a king. But what Jesus taught us most about God is that he's a father, the Lord's prayer. And when you pray, pray like this. Our, everybody knows it, father. And so to see this possibility that you and I could have an intimate relationship with an almighty God, the kind of a relationship that a son or a daughter has in the best case with their father, it, it's a mind boggling thought. I mean, it really is something that's hard for us to get our heads and our hearts around. And I think it's a transformational way to live. And so I've been trying to help people come up with the right concept of God and to move towards that God, knowing that he sees them and loves them as a father would see his son or daughter. The problem, Todd, obviously, is that the enemy knows this as well. Mm. 
And if the enemy knows that Jesus is teaching us that God is a father, then the enemy is going to destroy fatherhood. And he has succeeded in doing that in large part in our generation. People call this the fatherless generation. And earthly dads fall into a lot of categories, some great. You talked about how your dad was a, an affirming dad, told you he loved you. My dad was a really good dad that is very blessed for my sister and me. But there's some really tough father and son and daughter stories out there where dads were absent. They chose to check out. They were abusive and hurtful and antagonistic and um, really competed against their kids more than they helped and encouraged their kids. Dads that were too dysfunctional to be in the equation or too passive to step up and lead. And the, the wounds, the, the hurt that exists in our generation because of broken earthly father relationships is extraordinarily mm. large. And so if God wants to be a father, and the enemy has destroyed fatherhood and has cracked up the image of father, then we've got a lot of work to do. And that's what this book is about. It's about uh, repairing the breach, if you will, restoring the gap, um, about healing what has been and leading people to know that no matter what's been your earthly story, you can live under the blessing of a perfect father every single day of your life. And you can fully um, mature into the person that God has created you to be. And so the message has been in my heart for a long time around this idea, seeing God as a perfect father. But the book, um, I just believe God is saying, and I know he said one morning when he woke me up a year ago, we were working on another book. And uh, one morning I woke up just as clear as a bell with God just stirring in my heart saying, no, nope, not that one. We're writing, seeing God as a perfect father. We put a new title on it, not forsaken, but that's the message. Now is the time. And I believe it's uh, the most critical message uh, out there for this generation. And I believe God is going to use it to bring a lot of healing and a lot of freedom to people. And I'm so honored to be a part of it. You know, uh, I I didn't mention your bio because I, I don't think our listeners need an introduction to you. You've been on here uh, a couple of different times. But, you know, this past year at Passion, you talked about this issue uh, this predominant issue of fatherlessness facing the generation, but you also talked about anxiety. So how does this address both that fatherlessness and uh, anxiety? Yeah, I don't want to make too big of a generalization and say that all anxiety is related to fatherlessness, but a lot of it is. Um, when we're kids, we really want to know what our dad thinks. We somehow have this laser focus on our dad's opinion. Our moms are amazing, and I feel like we always need to put a footnote in there for moms. But moms, we love you. We're here because of you. We, we wouldn't be who we are without you. But kids have a, a unique longing to have their approval, the affection, the belief of their dad. And when that belief is absent, and one in four kids in America, they say, living in a household where their father is not in the home. So that means not only is there not a physical person in the home, but the, the blessing isn't in the home. Mm. And when that blessing is absent, I think the result of that is confusion. Like, why isn't dad here? Why didn't dad stay? What could I have done differently to have changed the dynamic? How could I 
fix this. And, you know, every conversation where a dad has said to a kid, and I recount one of these in the book, as it was told to me, and the dad is saying, and, and, and you know, man, man alive, do we have mercy and grace for everyone in this moment on this podcast? But how many times has the dad sat down and said to the nine-year-old or the 11-year-old or the seven-year-old, um, daddy's going to leave. Um, daddy's going to not live in the house with y'all anymore. Dad's moving to Connecticut. And, and what does the dad say? And the dad means it. The dad says at the end of the conversation, but I want you to know it's not about you. This is not about you. This is about mommy and daddy. This is, there's nothing wrong with you. This is about something dad needs to work out. But as it was told to me that when dad said, it's not about you, the words came in the ears, but before they settled in the heart, they transposed into, this is all about you. And I think once that seed is planted in the heart of a child, it sets them on an uncertain path. Their equilibrium is knocked off balance and they're not sure. Um, And so at the end of the day, there is a lot of anxiety around, am I good enough? Am I enough? I think that is the banner over so many lives right now. Am I enough? Am I going to be able to be a good dad, to be a good husband, to be a good wife? Am I going to be able to succeed at anything and accomplish anything and overcome anything? Mm. And not all of it, but a lot of it has to do with that gap um, of knowing my dad is believes in me and he's got my back and he set me up to soar. And if for some reason I crash and burn, you know what? My dad's going to be right there when I crash and burn and he is going to pick me up and he is going to be the biggest encourager to me. And we're going to do it all over again. And I think when you have that, just like Jesus did, Jesus started his ministry with that kind of blessing. This is my son and him. I am well pleased. Hadn't walked on water, hadn't healed the sick, hadn't raised the dead, <laughs> hadn't died for the sins of the world. Right. But he moved out from the blessing into the world. And I believe when that blessing is gone in a world like we live in today, anxiety has a wide open door to take a foothold in our lives. And man, I think that God wants to change all of that, restore all of that, and turn all those graves over. And I believe this book is a big step in that direction. Oh, it's so much of an identity issue. I mean, it's it's so. Uh, as you're talking about this, is just it just you know. Uh, of course, when you said "Am I enough?" I think everybody listening resonates with "Am I enough?" It's just uh, yeah. Oh, it, it. I think that you know, especially living, and we talked about this at Passion in an instantly comparable generation. You know, we can't help but ask that question. We see everybody's best life on display. And then we ask, wow, I didn't feel that great when I got up today. Um, My complexion doesn't look as good as theirs. Um, I'm not sure that the job I just got is as good as the job they just got. Boy, they sure look like they're having fun with their friends in Greece while I'm over in, you know, middle of nowhere in my cubicle today. And I think that if we don't have you know, that strong voice of the heavenly father really mainlined into our heart every single day. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. I value you. I have come for you and sought you and bought you. I believe in you. I have plans for you. Then we're left, you know, kind of like a 
a sailboat without a sail out in the middle of a stormy sea. And identity is that ballast that keeps us upright in, in a crazy comparative world. Oh, okay. So, you know, both of us talked about, you know, our dads and our love for our dads and, and the example and uh, love that they have for us, obviously not perfect, but, you know, for, for those listening now that are like, well, I don't exactly have this, you know, deep father wound or, or daddy issues. I mean, but obviously I resonate already with what you've talked about the book. How, how can those who've had positive relationships with their earthly dads benefit from, from Not Forsaken? Well, I, I love that question because, you know, it's weird. The title <clears throat> is very much targeted uh, toward a, an angry and a frustrated and an, an abandoned generation. And there are so many people in that boat. But the book is for everyone because the invitation of Not Forsaken is the promise of living as a love son or daughter of a king. And I've met some people who had great dads. And I, I would dare say, you know, it sounds like another generalization, but my, my wife, for example, has the best dad. In fact, I have the best father-in-law. And I believe it just gave her a leg up, if you will, in trusting God, because a lot of this comes down to trust. In fact, almost everything in our culture right now comes down to trust. And she trusts God. She's always been a person of extraordinary faith in God. And I'm like, man, where did all this faith come from? Well, some of it is my wife has the gift of faith. A lot of it is it's the gift of Milton Graves, her dad, who let her know I'm going to be here. I'm dependable. I'm consistent. You can count on me. I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to be perfect, but I am not going to let you down. And that transferred for her into a relationship with God. But a lot of people, Todd, have a really good dad, but they still don't know God intimately. Right. They had a good dad, but they're still clueless that there is a God in heaven that they can have that same kind of relationship with on a daily basis. And so I think the open door for someone who said, hey, I don't have a big dad problem. This might not be my book. Man, I just invite you into the pages because one, you're going to celebrate your dad every few pages and go, I'm sending dad another text. I know it's not Father's Day, but I'm going to thank him again today because he was such a great dad. But I think your eyes are going to be open because a lot of this book has to do with our new spiritual DNA our new spiritual family tree and the new possibility we have to grow up and to be like our heavenly father. And that message isn't just for people who had broken relationships with their earthly fathers. That message is for every single one of us who's alive today. And I can't uh, wait to see how that awakens more in my heart and how it awakens in the hearts of every single person who gets to take the journey of this book. So when did you come to that place in your life where you understood that, you know, God, your heavenly father fulfilled your need to be, you know, treasured, affirmed, accepted um, by your earthly father? Yeah, well, fortunately, that was an early discovery for me. I had a mentor when I was in high school named Dan DeHaan, who was a, a big influence on Andy Stanley and myself and the other kids in our youth group growing up. And I learned later in life that Dan DeHaan was channeling a lot of A.W. Tozer. <laughs> so Dan <laughs> went to heaven when he was 33 years of right age. Now. And, um, you know, he was out of our lives about the time we were graduating from college because of a plane crash. 
But I learned later in life as I started to read more and I started reading Tozer more, I'm like, man, Dan DeHaan was giving us a lot of A.W. Tozer. And so Dan was teaching us, even at our like high school summer camp, about the character of God and teaching us about God as a father. He wrote a book the year that he died. In fact, it came out the week that he died in 1982 called The God You Can Know. Still a good read for anybody uh, who wants to just know more about the character of God. And in it, he talks about God as a perfect father. And so that idea was shaping my life. And my relationship, obviously, when you're middle school, high school with your dad, um, if you have a good dad like me, it was great. But my dad and I had no common ground around my relationship with Jesus. In fact, my dad was uh, speechless when I told him as a freshman in college that God was calling me to be a preacher because that wasn't really going to play well with his poker buddies, um, (laughs) that his kid was going to be at the time, you know, we were a Baptist family. So his kid's going to be a Baptist preacher of all things. And so we never had common ground around that. We never had the ability to sit down and talk about the greatest thing that was happening to me in my life. But parallel to that, Todd, I was awakening more than ever in those years to a brand new relationship with God. And I knew what Paul talks about in Romans 8 when he says, and when we receive the spirit of Christ, that spirit lets us know that we're no longer a slave to fear. There's that anxiety angle, but that we are children of God. We didn't receive a spirit that makes us slaves again to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And this was happening to me in my college years. And I had, I mean, I hate saying it now looking back, but maybe the greatest two-year run in my relationship with God was uh, my first and second year of college. And it was as if there was no one else on planet Earth but me and my father. And I didn't need or look for one other thing because I knew I had everything that I needed in him. And at the end of my life, when I started discovering that my dad never had a father's blessing, never had a relationship with his dad, he told me at the end of his life, um, after he'd been disabled, my dad did, that he never was, no one ever wanted him and no one ever loved him. And he didn't think God loved him and he didn't think God wanted him either. And I was so glad that I had that other tree, that spiritual tree, Because from that, I could send the blessing I'd been getting all those years back up the family tree to my dad. I was only in my early 30s at the time, Mm. but I already was so rooted in that beautiful tree of a perfect father that I could start sending blessing back up my family tree to my dad that had never come down to him from his. Let's just hear a quick word from our sponsor from today, and we'll get back into the episode. What guides your core beliefs? Are they founded upon solid truth or are they based on others' opinions or your own emotions? What you believe about your purpose and value affects almost every area of your life. And this is the premise of the new film, Overcomer, in theaters August 23rd. It's the latest from the Kendrick Brothers, makers of Courageous War Room and others. This movie has inspired the creation of several resources. For small groups, there's the Overcomer Bible Study. For individuals, there's a book called Defined. Both are based upon powerful insights from the book of Ephesians. Learn more about all the resources at lifeway.com slash overcomer. How much 
is this really a question of spiritual maturity? Because some of the things that you're talking about really strike me. You know, you, you talked about Tozer uh, and and Dan and and him imparting some of that. You know, almost uh, <laughs> probably a lot of quotes from pursuing God, the pursuit of God, um, and different things like that. But how much of this is you know, in so many in so many ways, in the last 20, 30 years, we've shifted the the line, the finish line back to baptism in some ways. How much of this is becoming mature as a believer in Christ and moving forward and understanding, pursuing God and who He is and finding your identity there? Like, I'm just uh, I'm I'm thinking out loud, obviously, as I ask the question. But uh, what connection do you think is there, if any? Well, I think maturity obviously is a big part of it, but I think a, another word too, Todd, is just the word revelation. Hmm. Uh, Paul wrote to um, the Ephesians that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God so that, so that they would know God more. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. And what I learned in my life is that <clears throat> there's a big, big difference between information and revelation. And I certainly had the best information of all time growing up under Charles Stanley. I mean, listening to him preach three yeah. times a week from all of middle school, high school and college. So there was a tremendous amount of information and, and the best information but information is different than revelation. Revelation is when my eyes are open to grasp how this information actually changes my life. It's the difference. I talk about it a lot for me studying uh, topographical maps of Mount Rainier when I was in college at Georgia State. Uh, this is way before computers and the Internet. So if I wanted to see a picture of Mount Rainier, I had to look <laughs> in the encyclopedia that we had at our house. And maybe there was or maybe there wasn't a picture of Mount Rainier. And so studying all these topographical maps, knowing all this information from uh, ge geography side and a geological side, and then actually going to the state of Washington while I was a college student and driving out from Seattle to Mount Rainier and driving up on a clear day to see Mount Rainier. That was heart-stopping tear-producing, awe-inspiring revelation. It never happened with a topographical map, even though I could have aced and did ace every test on Mount Rainier. But the information didn't move me. The revelation moved me. And I'm not talking about some mystical experience here. I'm talking about that spiritual reality that happens when the eyes of our heart are enlightened, as Paul said. And we see beyond the words on a page and even the reality of someone hearing us today and going, oh, I know I'm a child of God. Uh, I've heard that song. We sang it at church. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I've seen the words, sung the words, heard the words. But the moment our eyes are open to see the reality of a God in heaven running after us and giving his very best for us so that we could be born again and he could hold us in his arms as little babies, love daughter, love son, born all over again by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And to know 
that we have that same spirit and that spirit in us cries out, Father, Abba, the God of heaven is my, my father, the God almighty, he's my father, the sovereign king, the eternal one incarnate. He is my father. And so it is maturity, but we need to be praying for and preaching toward revelation sight. And I think that is the game changer for all of us. Hmm. What kind of impact have you seen in Christians who just fully begin to grasp who God is as their perfect heavenly father? Well, it, it, it does a lot of things for us. I think, number one, it, it kind of comes back around the idea we were talking about when we were underscoring uncertainty. I think it gives us confidence. And the number one thing we need right now, I think, in this generation is confidence. Confidence in the fact that it's going to be okay. We're, we're going to make it through whatever it is we're in the middle of. And, and it's a crazy world and crazy times a lot of enemies on, on the inside and a lot of enemies on the outside. But the confidence comes from knowing I have a father and he is running the universe today and he has my best interest at heart. That same chapter, Romans 8, toward the end, it said, but God did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us. So what's the conclusion? Will he not also give us everything we need? And I think that that kind of confidence uh, to step up into your gifting, to step out into uncertainty, to face up to challenges, knowing that you're, you're going to make it, uh, to reach out to other people and to be more others focused and self-focused, to be generous and say, man, I can give you what I've got because my father is going to give me everything I need. I'm not going to get stuck. I'm not going to be in a bind. I'm not going to be in a lurch here. It's like my mom and dad. They were great parents. And I knew when push came to shove, my mom was going to come up with whatever it was I needed, as long as I hadn't been completely reckless, of course. And she was going to always be a backstop for me. And I think it's that kind of free living. Instead of having to hoard what we have, um, sequester ourselves inside our, our little comfort zone of video games or or social media, or whatever little world that we find safety in, but to step out into a big world and to know I'm stepping out with a blessing. I've already heard my father say he loves me, and I already heard him say he approves of me. I've already heard him say that he believes in me. So I'm going to step out today in confidence, and I know above all things, ultimately, my dad is not going to let me fail. Uh, he is for me and not against me. And if he's against me, then, I mean, if he is for me, then who could be against me? All this is in that same uh, text that we're, we're reading in Romans 8. And it's that spirit that no longer uh, makes us slaves to fear. But it's that spirit of adoption by which we know. And people always ask, Todd, how do I know I'm saved? How do I know the prayer work? How do I know that I meant it? And how did I know that that night at that camp or at that conference or whatever, that, that that was real, and I'm, I'm really saved. And I say the answer to how we know we're saved is when the Holy Spirit awakens our spirit and our spirit says, Father. And that's the moment I know that I'm born again. And that born-again confidence uh, is what uh, leads us out into the world with the hope and the life of Jesus. That's so good. 
Well, for those of you listening, if uh, if the <laughs> if the answer to that last question didn't convince you, um, I, I just want to say, Louis, thanks so much. You know, allowing, hoping, and and praying that people do get that sense of confidence in who God is as their heavenly Father. I I personally am uh, I am just going to go ahead and say. Um, Today is is Tuesday when this will drop, and tonight, uh, and for the next couple of nights, probably, um, I'll be reading and tweeting through this book. Um, so you can join me in that conversation. I'll make sure that um, we post that both in the show notes and 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 previously go ahead and you know say hey, this is going to be happening, so we can all do that together for those listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I know I certainly have. And I've always enjoyed having you on, Louis. And um, please, please come back uh, as whenever you want. Thank you. And man, this was so much better than the last time I was on with you with Eric Geiger. This just was so <laughs> much stronger this time. Eric, we love you. We miss you. <laughs> That's so good. Thanks, Todd. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you're going to enjoy the Unseen Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast hosted by Chandler Vinoy and Josh Hunter, and they explore the unseen stories that have made leaders who they are today. It's a podcast for young leaders to learn from those ahead of them by exploring the early days of their leadership, understanding the mistakes they made, and identifying the habits that shaped them, all to help you lead in the future. Just look up Unseen Leadership on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today.